Today on Crossroads in Culture, we're going to be talking about having clarity of vision as it relates to living life. You know, a lot of people are looking for um, direction and how to live life well. Well, it's important that if you're going to live life well, you need to have clarity of vision. So that's what we're going to be talking about today on Crossroads and Culture. Hey guys, welcome to another episode on Crossroads and Culture, where life, ministry, and culture meet. Before we get to the topic for today, I just want to tell you some things that are coming up. I know for those of you who have been listening, uh, I shared with you a while back that I would be doing a new series on the hard conversations uh, that Jesus had with individuals, some of these tough statements he made that kind of make you scratch your head and go, did he really just say that? Or what did what did Jesus mean by that? And we're going to get to that series after Easter, but uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're, I'm going to be having an interview actually on Monday. It will this the podcast will air on Tuesday of next week with uh, a young man that I met who is an actor in Hollywood. He is on one of the uh, popular Disney shows, and we're going to have a conversation with him about what is it like being a a follower of Jesus in Hollywood. And it's going to be an interesting interview. I'm looking forward to, it, to getting his perspective, hearing his testimony, and what are some of the challenges he faces. Because I really think it's important for those who are true followers of Jesus to have influence in the entertainment industry. Uh, that's one of the spheres of influence. We know how much influence that has on our culture. And rather than just surrendering that to the enemy, I, I believe that as believers in Christ, as we can, as God opens doors and gives opportunity, we should make an impact in that industry for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. And so I'm looking forward to that interview on Monday. Again, that will air on Tuesday of next week. And then on Thursday, March 25th, and Friday, March 26th, uh, I'm going to begin looking at the seven statements of Christ from the cross, the statements that Jesus made uh, when he was on the cross, being crucified for our sins. We're going to look at that, and that will go every day, Thursday and Friday, the 25th and 26th, and then that next week, Monday through Friday, all the way to Good Friday, uh, I'll have a podcast that will be aired uh, each weekday uh, on the seven statements of Christ from the cross. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Uh, I believe it's going to be encouraging as we just um, listen to what Jesus said and why is it so important. Uh, and then following... Uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, uh, that week following, I'll be begin the, the series on the hard conversations of Jesus. So I hope you'll join me uh, for those podcasts that are coming up. Um, but for today, we're going to be talking about having vision in life, this clarity of vision. Whether you're in leadership or you're not in leadership, it is incredibly important that we know um, how to live in this life, how do we walk and navigate um, all the things that are taking place in our culture, in life, and what can we do to have clarity of vision? You know, I've been in leadership and in ministry for over 30 years, um, but there are so many things that I've learned over the, the past two years, things I wish I had known or in some cases practiced that would have made me a better leader as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and even as a, as a friend. And one, one of the things that I learned years ago, um, I learned to ask a, a very specific self-reflecting question that has helped me 
tremendously. And here's the question. Over the past week, or maybe you could even say past month, past year, but over the past week, we'll just use that, what has become clear to me? What, what, are the, what are some of the things over this last week, as I look back, as I reflect, what are some things that have become clearer to me? Now, that's a, it's a good question to ask about yourself, about your family, about your job or career. I, I know that when I was pastoring, I would ask um, uh, our staff and the teams that I led, hey, what's beca- since our last meeting, what has become clearer to you? So that's a, it's a great question to ask, or even asking about relationships, it's a good question to ask that, that often brings about clarity, and it does, because you're looking back a little bit. So, so to say hindsight is 2020, you've, you've heard that phrase before, it's true. And looking back does become clear if, if you're brave enough and honest enough to look and recognize what you failed to see because of pride and maybe a lack of, of self-awareness. You know, I was thinking about this, when you're driving your car, your truck, an important feature, obviously, that you need to give attention to is the rearview mirror. You need to be able to, to check and see what, what's behind you. Is there something that's behind you before you back up? Want to make sure you're not going to run over something, right? Or someone, God forbid. Um, so you want to be able to see what's behind you. You want to be able to pay attention to what's happening there. But your main focus, though, is what is in front of you. If you spend too much time looking back, you're going to miss what's ahead of you, which is not going to end well for you or for others, right? So it's important for us to look back, but we don't need to live there. It's important we look ahead of us and, and see what's in front of us, the vision that's in front of us and visibility so that we have clarity of vision to know where we're going. Um, so what if moving forward, you were able to recognize when your vision was, was blurring and that you needed help in seeing things more clearly? Most often, though, pride um, keeps us from admitting that we have a vision problem when it comes to living life. Uh, when I was in middle school, I was told by uh, the optometrist, I had to, go, had to go to the eye doctor, was having some vision issues, but I was told by the optometrist three words that no preteen wants to hear, right? You need glasses. He could have just said to me, we're going to strap a windshield to two earpieces for you to wear, because that's exactly what those glasses were, or at least it seemed that way. I, I was tempted to ask how often I needed to change the windshield wipers on each lens. That They were so big, right? You, some of you can relate to this. Well, needless to say, I did not want to wear them. It was, it was less painful running into doors and lockers at school than enduring the cruel epithets of middle schoolers. It was brutal. But I, re- I remember, though... Um, I mean, this is just, it's almost like it was yesterday, playing an away basketball game at Stripling Middle School in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and I made the game time decision not to wear my glasses. In my mind, it was better to try and look cool than to play good. And some of you can relate to that too. But all perceived coolness went out the window, though, when, when I was fouled early in the game. And I went to the free throw line. And when I got up to the free throw line, I shot an air ball on my first my first shot, I shot an air ball. And if that wasn't bad enough, I thought I'd made it until the coach pulled me out of the game and informed me that I had not made the free throw. I had completely missed everything. It was one of the worst games I'd ever played because I couldn't see the goal clearly enough. My distance was all jacked up and so was my pride. You see, a lack of humility and, and an even greater concern for what others thought about me were like emotional stigmatisms that, that, that affected my vision more so off the court than on the court. And poor vision, you know, it needs to be corrected so that so that you can see clearly what's in front of you, both near and far. And it takes humility to admit that you need help to see better. 
But I'm not, I'm not talking about physical sight as much as I'm talking about life sight. Now, there's a great story in the scriptures, in the book of Exodus. Um, after Moses had led Israel out of Egyptian captivity, he was faced with leadership challenges that were overwhelming. And if the elements weren't enough in going through a desert wilderness, there was a daily dose of dealing with the complainers, the know-it-alls, the whiners, the ignorant, the non-compliant. And if you want to see uh, this story, Exodus chapter 15, beginning with verse 22 in the following chapters, you can kind of see what Moses had to deal with. Well, this was wearing on Moses, and and to such a degree that his father-in-law, Jethro, saw what was happening and offered Moses a pair of of leadership glasses. We'll we'll call it that. Now, listen listen to what Jethro said to Moses. He said, what you're doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do this alone. That's in Exodus chapter 18, verse 18. Jethro knew that that sustainability and longevity of Moses leading well and living well would require seeing things more clearly and eliminating any debris that would affect his vision. Now, again, this isn't, this isn't just a leadership lesson or, or neatly packaged axioms only for those who lead. This is for every person who wants to be a better person, have a better marriage, be a better parent, be a better friend, and, and live a better life. Now, certainly having vision in leadership is incredibly important. I mean, we see the lack of leadership and the lack of vision in our, in our culture. We see it in, in the areas of, of theology and ministry, specifically in churches. Uh, we, we see it in politics and government. We see it in, in the financial realm, in economics. We see it in social circles. I mean, there, there's, there are a lot of people who have a lot of debris affecting their vision and it's affecting how they're walking, and it's becoming disastrous for many of them. Right? So it's not just true for leaders. It's true for every single person. So, so if you want to be a better person, have a better marriage, be a better parent, be a better friend, live a better life, then, then this is for you. This is for me as well. See, I, I've learned if I want to see more clearly moving forward, I need people like Jethro in my life, people, people who, en- who enhance my vision, not cloud it. And what, what that has looked like for me and what I've learned on a practical level are, are six attributes. And I want, to share, I want to share those with you because I think these are important. They've been hugely helpful for me, and I hope they'll be helpful for you in, in moving forward and having clarity of vision. So, so let me give you the first attribute. Here's the first thing that I've learned, that to seek people, to seek out people who fear God, not those who are familiar with God. Now, listen to what, again, what, what Jethro's advice to Moses was. He said, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God. That was some of Jethro's advice to Moses. You see, there's a difference between fear and familiarity. Fear can very quickly fade into the familiar. And familiarity leads to indifference, but fear leads to awe. And I'm talking about healthy fear. I want to be one who is in awe of God, and that only comes when, when God is seen for who He is, and there's an honest assessment of who we are not. See, the deeper I go in my union with Christ, the more I see His awesomeness, the, the more aware I become of not only my neediness of Him, but also my desire for Him, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's become clear to me that the level of our indifference or awe tends to be greatly influenced by those we're around. Although ultimately, indifference 
or all tends or uh, indifference or all towards God is is a heart issue. Um, we need to seek out those who are stirred by a sense of awe towards God, not stagnated by indifference. So let me, let me repeat that. Ultimately, indifference, our indifference or awe towards God is a, is a heart, heart issue with us. But we should seek out those who are stirred by a sense of awe towards God, not stagnated by indifference. In other words, identify and spend time with those who are seeking God consistently and are more concerned about following Him than they are about impressing others. Those who fear God, who walk in humility and enjoy intimacy with God. It's a, find people like Peter and John in the book of Acts, who were identified by the Jewish religious leaders as men who, because of their lifestyle, they were identified as having been with Jesus. I love that passage in the book of Acts, that all of these religious leaders recognized Peter and John as guys who had spent time with Jesus. Those who fear God are those who have a high view of God's word and God's ways. They seek to be obedient regardless the cost. So again, seek out people who fear God, not those who are familiar with God. Another way, I think Kyle Eidelman wrote a book, um, Not a Fan. I think you may have heard of that book before. But but that's kind of what it is. We want, we want people who are followers. Surround yourself with people who are followers of God, not just people who are, who are fans, right, on, on the periphery, so to speak. So seek out people who fear God, not those who are familiar with God. Here's the second attribute that I would say is important to living life with clarity, is surround yourself with those who are for you. Now, let me, let me qualify that. By that, uh, it doesn't mean only those who always agree with you or tell you what you want to hear. I, I've been in ministry circles for a long time, um, and it's not just in ministry by any means. It's, it's in, it, in any type of perhaps leadership setting, or, or even in a, in a friendship, relationship uh, context, is that we're, we can often be tempted to surround ourselves with people who are always going to agree with us uh, because that makes us feel better about who we are. Um, and and, and we, so we surround ourselves with, it, it's, you may have heard the term yes men, right, that, who are always going to say yes. They're, they're not going to push back on any ideas that you have. And so in order for you to kind of get your way, you want to surround yourself with people who are impressed with you and who are going to say yes to you. And, and, and what's best is not to surround yourself with yes people, but, but to surround yourself with people um, who will tell you what you really need to hear. You need those people who will pray for, and, 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 and you need to pray for and seek out those who, are, who genuinely care about you, who really do have your best interest at heart, who, who will not only encourage you and celebrate your successes, but will also help you see the blind spots of your life and walk with you through your failures. So you know, surround yourself with those who, who will stay close when life is difficult, and, and you need to move on from those who, for whatever reasons, don't. So, so in that, make sure that you have people who aren't impressed with you, who really care about you and love you so much, and love you enough, rather, to speak truth to you, even if it's not easy. So, so um, and, and another, be careful not to confuse your followers and your friends on your favorite social media platforms to be ones who are for you. You'll find it real quickly that many people who follow you on that really aren't for you necessarily. Um, so surround yourself with those who are for you. Here's a here's a third attribute: is be willing to listen with humility, keep what is of God and throw out what isn't, but be willing to listen with humility. One of my mentors shared with me something that has become very instrumental in how I receive 
and prayerfully process what is said of me and what's said to me um, by others. And he encouraged me to think of it as though I had three buckets. So bucket number one would be um, this statement, this is true of me, right? What's said of me uh, or what's said to me, um, okay, this is true of me. That's bucket number one. And, and here's what I need to do with what is true of me. Bucket number two is this is not true of me. So maybe someone says something to you or um, someone says something about you that you hear and, and you know it's not true. You, you put it in that bucket and just don't worry about it. This is not true of me. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to worry about this. Bucket number three is I'm not sure if this is true of me, but I want to know. This was not said so as to be another self-help tool, by the way, it, because we're never as honest with ourselves or as aware of ourselves as we need to be, right? I mean, we're just not. That's why we need to invite God into the, to the moment to say, God, is this true? Is this true of me? Is it not true of me? Or God, I, I don't know if, it, it's, if it's true or not, but I, I really want to know. It's inviting God into this. So, so he encouraged me, to, my mentor encouraged me to frame it this way. God, show me what is true of me and what is not. And for what I continue to be unsure of, show me. It, that has been wise and sustaining counsel for me. And, it, and sometimes the things that are said to me or said of me that are true are not always good. Maybe they're difficult things, you know? The difficult thing of, hey, you know what? You're, you've been really prideful with this, or I sense some arrogance here. Or, I sense some anger here. I mean, some of the things maybe that, were, that have been said that have been true of me, I, I don't want to hear but they're in that bucket, and I need to deal with that. And if it's true of me, I, I, I would say, God, if, if there is anger in my heart, if, there's, if, if this is true of me, God, I, I want you to help me with this. Or maybe there's some things in bucket number two, this is not true of me. There have been things this, that's been said, and, and you hear people say things about you that's not true of you, and yet the enemy wants you to hold on to those things, and, and it just it keeps you from seeing clearly. And so you just got to get rid of those things because it's not true of you. Or bucket number three. God, I don't know if this is or not, but would you show me? And God is faithful. God is faithful. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, when David was praying this, God, search me, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts. And if there's anything in me, any way in me that is hurtful, hurtful to you, hurtful to others, God, show me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. God is faithful to show us those things. But be willing to listen with humility. Keep what is of God, throw out what isn't. Here, here's the next attribute, I would say, is to look for those who stand out from the crowd. Invite those people um, into your life. Now, the tendency in our culture is to find those who are accepted and absorbed by the crowd, not, not those who stand out from the crowd, right? We, want, we, want, we tend to find the, 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 the ones who are popular, um, the, the, the celebrities, so to speak, the ones who kind of are in the limelight and have the titles. And, and not to say that those who have the titles are all bad. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the tendency in our culture is to celebrate and elevate um, those who have a, a platform and those who have the titles. But we need to be really careful about that. Um, we, need to, we need to surround ourselves with those who stand out from the crowd. Um, we need those who are wisely assessing and observing, who see things others aren't seeing who are not disconnected from the current reality, but know how and when to dig deep to get to the root of things and who know how and when to take higher ground so as to get a different perspective on things. Those that kind of withdraw from the crowd a little bit and can see things differently. It reminds me of the men of Issachar. In First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it said of, of these men, it said they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And that's what you need. 
You need people in your life who who stand out from the crowd, who are able to observe some things and say, you know what, here's what I see. Here's what I see about your life. Here's what, here's what maybe you're not seeing um, that I just want to I want to share with you and show you. And when they do say those things, always measure that against Scripture. Don't just take somebody's word for it. Measure it against Scripture. Does the Spirit of God in you? Um, does it does 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 he does the truth of what they're saying, or maybe that which is not true? Does it resonate, or does it strike against you, the Spirit of God in you? So wh- you need to make sure you measure it against um, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. But for the men of Issachar, they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. Now, the men Jethro encouraged Moses to surround himself with, they were men who stood out from the crowd. They were wise, they were discerning, and they were. it was very effective. So look for those who stand out from the crowd. Here's uh, the fifth attribute, which is to bring in close those who you can truly trust. And when you're living life and you're looking for clarity of vision, you need to bring in close those who you can truly trust. Um, and I've, you know, it, it, so there are three, there are three kind of tests, if you will, that I have come to, um, embrace and, and, um, have been somewhat of a litmus test, I guess you could say as to those I could trust. Uh, and, and the first thing is to vet thoroughly. So um, as believers, we should, we should seek to believe the best about others, but that does not mean we are careless in our vulnerability. We need to be very very careful with who we are vulnerable with. I think it was Brene Brown that said that that to not be careful with those with whom we're vulnerable, it can become like flying debris. You know, here we are in spring, and and we're in the I'm in the South, and uh, Tornado Alley, and tornadoes become common in the spring. And if you know anything about tornadoes, or maybe you saw the movie uh, Twister right years ago, or The Wizard of Oz, or whatever, you've watched Tornado Chasers on some Discovery Channel. You know that whenever tornadoes happen, that there's a lot of debris, and most people become injured by the debris that's thrown um, from the tornado um, than, than anything else. And so, and and tornadoes leave a lot of debris uh, in their in their wake. And so, sometimes people people that we don't vet thoroughly, people that we are um, we think we can trust, and we we share with them things uh, that we that we're vulnerable with, can often be flying debris that can wound. A lot of different people wound ourselves as well, and so we have to vet thoroughly. Um, and all of that vetting comes through praying, seeking God, um, and also over time. So vet thoroughly. The the second litmus test, so to speak, in bringing close those you can truly trust is choose wisely. Not everyone you encounter will be those who will go with you into what I call the Gethsemane moments of life. Gethsemane moments being, you know, the moments when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and he was under such stress, carrying the weight of the world, the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders to the point that he even was sweating drops of blood is what the scriptures say. It's a medical condition uh, uh, that where the capillaries, I think it's hematodrosis, and, and where the capillaries in your in your forehead burst because of the stress and the strain and Blood comes through the sweat pores, and so uh, you, when you talk about the Gethsemane moments of life, um, you're going to have people in your life who, when things get really difficult with, in your life, they're going to not go with you there, and that reveals a lot about them uh, and about whether or not they truly are those you can trust, who are true friends. That 
that will walk with you through the difficult moments. I know in my life I've gone through difficult times, and it's been very revealing uh, of those who who I could trust and those who I really would call true friends. So choose wisely. Um, and those who walk with you through that, man, they are a godsend, just a huge blessing. And here's the third litmus test is move slowly but consistently. Healthy relationships are built over time. They're not quick. They're built over time. And so, so those are the people that will help you see things more clearly in life. Those who you can truly trust, bring them in close, but make sure that you can trust them. Now, here's what I will say as well. You're never going to avoid hurt or pain. Even people you bring in close that you trust are going to disappoint you because we're human, right? I've disappointed people. Other people have disappointed me. We're going to experience that. That's just part of it. But but even in those moments, over time, you will know those who you can truly trust. So make sure that you vet thoroughly. Make sure that you choose uh, wisely and make sure you move slowly but consistently because healthy relationships are built over time. Here's the, the last attribute, the sixth one, is to choose those who have a character of integrity and firm convictions about what is right. Now, you're not going to find perfect people who have a perfect life vision. Their life is not perfect. That's true for all of us. However, there are those who, even in their moments of blurred vision, they recognize their, their need, they admit their vision issues, and they look to God for correction. Those, those who are pursuing becoming more like Jesus being conformed to his image rather than the image of the world. And those who know and seek to do what is right and honoring of Christ are those you want speaking into your life. So those are, those are just six attributes I would say that I've learned uh, in having people around me in my life that, that, that God has used and is using to help me see more clearly, uh, to have clarity in moving forward in life. It is so important because you can't see all you need to see on your own. God surrounds us with people. Um, he is put in our path to help us be able to live life well, to navigate this life that we that we live in, um, not apart, obviously, from His Spirit. His Spirit is the one who leads us, but God brings about others, just like Jethro told Moses that you can't do this on your own. You need, you need people around you. Uh, it's true for us as well. So I hope you have those people in your life. And if not, I would encourage you to pray that God provides those type of people for you. And maybe go back and listen or list out these six attributes that, that I've, I've mentioned to you in this, in this podcast. And uh, maybe there's some things that God reveals to you uh, that may be a little bit different than what I have, or maybe in addition to these things. Uh, but it is incredibly important, incredibly important that you um, have people in your life that can help you see clearly. So if this, uh, if this episode has been encouraging to you, helpful for you, maybe it's brought a little clarity to your life, um, then I would encourage you to share this with your friends. Maybe you could share it on your social media posts, uh, point them to the podcast, Crossroads and Culture. And again, if you would, um, subscribe and give us a, a review, a rating on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. So I hope, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this, and I hope you have a great weekend. And I look forward to you joining me next time on Crossroads in Culture.